Hello, and welcome to Faith, Fitness, and French Toast. As always, I'm your host, Moses Allwood, and I want to warmly welcome you back to the podcast. The purpose of this podcast is simple, to encourage, empower, and inspire athletes of all walks of life in their strength endeavors, faith walk, and of course, their best options for post-workout late-night meals. Firstly, I'd like to thank my sponsors, as always, Skull Smash Ammonia and Raw Grip Chalk, for their consistent support and encouragement. For the best hard-hitting ammonia in the game, there's none better than Steve at Skull Smash. If you're looking to hit a brutal pull and need that added grip, Raw Grip's Liquid Chalk is the highest quality on the market right now. You can head over to their Instagram pages to get some products. Today, I'm sitting down with Lewis Kim, a fellow DMV native and TikTok phenomenon, whose weight loss transformation has garnered a following of over 300,000 fans in the last year. To date, he has dropped 159 pounds, and by his own words, this is only the beginning. Hashtag salty AF. You're not going to want to miss this inspiring episode as we talk nutrition, staying motivated in crisis, and more. So sit back, relax, and let's dive in. Lou, what is going on, man? What's going on, man? Oh, Thanks I'm for having me. Make this thing work. Uh, I've seen you, you know, working out at Balance and stumbled across you on TikTok and knew I had to make this conversation. <laughs> yeah, um, I appreciate it. So I appreciate you, it. Uh, have had a pretty incredible transformation over the last couple of years or so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. Um, I, I think like most people who uh, you know are start off and you know i'm still sort of in the morbidly obese category it's something that you uh you sort of battle with for a big chunk of your life uh when it comes to body weight so um a few years ago i just got to a point where um i gained weight again and was just super frustrated and unhappy and knew i had to do something and it it started off probably the worst shape that i've ever been in my life so um it's been a long road that's for sure yeah yeah well so I, if i'm remembering correctly your starting weight was mid 400s was it not <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I was, I was in the four hundreds, um, and then I lost a bunch of weight, and then I gained back and got right up to about four hundred pounds again. And it was, it was pretty bad. Uh, I was, I was smoking, I was vaping, I was doing everything you could to be self destructive. Just a lot of stress, not handling it well, and and genuinely the worst shape in my life. Because in previous incarnations, when I gained a ton of weight, I was pretty active. So when I got started and wanted to get moving it was a lot easier. Um, you know, and this time being older and being in worse shape, it, it was, it was definitely the hardest, uh, hardest time that, that I've, uh, experienced in terms of getting going. So I definitely don't want to do that again. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, as I said, you know, my first time stumbling across you, I'm on the TikTok for you page. And I see this guy training in the gym that looks extremely familiar to the one that I am training at. Uh, And I thought to myself, I said, man, I have definitely seen that CrossFit workout area before. And I knew that was down in Capitol Hill. Yeah. um, Yeah. You are, you're a DMV native, you're Arlington. um, Yeah. But it seems like you bounce between a few different gyms. Um, Yeah. So, so, you know, I think when you, and, and this goes for anybody, right? Like you, when you start off and you know, you've got a tough road ahead of you, you try and create these, um, the structure around you. And, and one of the things that I did and being fortunate enough to be in a position to do it is I, I wanted to create backstops. And so one of those backstops was I started training with Ollie, uh, who's the head trainer over at balance. And, um, we started training, um, you know, just going once a week. And what I did is I scheduled it so that I'd see him once a week, no matter what. And then that Ollie being a past connection, I, it didn't matter 
you know, what was going on. I always made sure whether it was a Wednesday in the beginning and then Fridays here on out that always made sure that I went in to go see him so that regardless of what was happening, I could be backpedaling, whatever it is, I had that appointment with Ollie. And then as things evolved and started progressing, I, I wanted more and trying to get into DC more than once a week early in the morning was tough. And that's when I met um, Joe over at One Life in Virginia. And One Life is where I primarily train now mm -hmm. uh, because it's near my house. Um, but, you know, the two of them, it was basically, uh, you know, a Wednesday and a Friday where there was there were always two appointments. And I have to tell you, that has been invaluable during those weeks that um, early on where I just didn't feel like working out because I knew twice a week I'd get it in at least twice a week. Right. So and, and having those appointments set up. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, and I think that's huge. I mean, even within that, you're starting to develop those communities in different areas. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and I think, you know, if, if there's one thing I've learned about the fitness community, you do a whole lot more when you're plugged into a community. Uh, I, I know I will, I'll fall off the wagon if I don't have that accountability. And so even having those trainers in different gyms, I mean, I'm sure that's been a life changer for you, even in keeping you accountable. A hundred percent, hundred percent has. And, and, you know, back in the day I, I did CrossFit and I believe one of the reasons that group training is such a big thing now is definitely because of CrossFit bringing that to the forefront that these gyms could survive alone on just one thing. But mm -hmm. the draw to CrossFit was always the community. Like, love it, hate it. I know people criticize it. The one thing it did and does do well is it creates community, right? It's it's appointment-based, same time, same same channel, and um, you're always there. And I think that's definitely evolved in, in these gyms um, over time where you do create that, that community around the kind of work you're doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so kind of along, you know, those same lines, uh, you know, you see guys online who um, they, their trainer is screaming in their ears. You know, there's pounding heavy metal in the background. You know, probably it's looking like a torture chamber, but they're getting yoked. But on the other side, you see these people who are practically listening to like classical music. Yeah. Um, and somehow they're still uh, repping out 315 on the bench like it's nothing. So yeah. for you, where do you think you fall in that line? And how do you think that training environment has played into your success so far? So, so I would say that early on, I was probably one of those people that was more reserved, sure. right? And, and, and really didn't, didn't, um, I think I criticized people that, that grunted, made, made a lot of noise and went hard like that. And I think what I've realized for me personally is that I, I, I was never pushing myself hard enough. I thought I was pushing myself hard enough. And so in, in today's incarnation of where I'm going and who, I be, who I'm becoming, I, I want to push myself as hard as I can. And, and so I would put myself on that side of just being yelled at. I mean, one of the reasons that I get along with the trainers that I do is, is 90% of it is me telling them how terrible they are at their job, and, <laughs> you know? So, but, but I, I find that when I'm pushing myself hard enough that the, the grunting or any noise, it's, it's not planned. It just happens. And, and I've developed this philosophy where in any given workout, in any given day of the week, the conditions that led up to that moment that I'm working out in, they're never going to be repeated again. So when I'm on the apex of whatever that workout is, whether it's like the final set of like high volume, I'm always trying to push myself further. So if I feel like I've got more, I go to this place where I'm like, I'm never going to be here again. So I want to make sure I leave everything in that moment. And, wow. and so that's what I'm constantly trying to do. And that's where I find myself ridiculously grunting. I've definitely been yelled at 
uh, by some of the older members at, at at the various One Lives for making too much noise. So I uh, usually that means you're doing something right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I, I think I told one lady um, that uh, I, I said I, I'm sorry for upsetting her, but that this was a a gym and not a library. She she wasn't too thrilled with that. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> I said it in the politest way, the politest way possible, though. So. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. That's so good. Uh, but I, I think you, you make an interesting point. You, you bring up that, yeah, the, the conditions leading up to that workout are never going to be repeated. And I think that's a really interesting point because I, I know for myself, you know, in powerlifting, obviously we're <clears throat> we're training for uh, one lift. It's all performance based. Uh, I could do a set of seven. It doesn't mean anything if I can't do a set of one. Right. Uh, and so very frequently to get into that mindset to put, you know, 500, 600 pounds on my back, I need to have those conditions perfect. It always needs to be that perfect storm. Uh, and so I think that's a really interesting point. I'll, if you wanted to expound on that. Well, I, you're bringing up a really good point, too, with, with, the, with powerlifting. So I, I've got an enormous amount of respect for, for powerlifting, for Olympic lifting, for the technical aspect. For pow- but for powerlifters, what I have mad, mad respect for is one is the, the amount of work it takes to get to that point, right? Like when, when you see something on Instagram or TikTok and you don't understand and someone squats 600, 700 pounds, yeah, you're like, okay, that's impressive. But what you don't see are the number of years of compounding work yeah. it took to get to that point. And so what I respect is that it's a different mental game doing what you do and what powerlifters do than the way that I train, which is all endurance and like, um, volume based where I'm really just trying to kick the crap out of my brain. Whereas that focus and energy, like I've got so much respect for that. And so I don't, I don't know if I could, I'm I'm sure I could train, but I don't know if I could train that way day in and day out, because it's like, you're, you're, you're constantly towing this line between really, really hitting it hard. And then, you know, I mean, definitely there's always the chance of injury when you're pushing that much weight. Right. Absolutely. So, so, I mean, I, I have a question for you is like, how do you balance that? Because that's something I struggle with too, when, when I'm doing, you know. Yeah. I mean, stupid, but it's that thing in my brain where I'm like, I'm never going to be here again. I feel good. Let me just do another set. Let me just do another set. Like, how do you tiptoe between knowing on the day that, you know, you're going to hit a heavyweight and that you're not. Yeah. So uh, I was actually, I was chatting with uh, the guy who was on the last episode, uh, Larry McEwen about it. Who's been my coach for a little while. Um, on that because there is it's a very uh, tight line because it could go from you know when you're in an environment where you've got five dudes yelling at you on either side and the music's pumping you hit ammonia so you feel like you just got punched in the face like when there is this perfect storm and they tell you that you know your coach programs you a set of two and you finish that second rep and everyone's like go for another one there is that part of you that's like man I'm not gonna walk out of here a bitch like I'm gonna hit a third rep Uh, and but frequently if it's a heavy enough load that could be a risky move to take and so it is something that i think everyone's learning with time uh, yeah we use a scale uh, i try to at least the guys that i coach um called rpe or the rate of perceived exertion uh, yeah and the idea of rpe for those, those of you guys who are listening uh is that it's a scale of one to ten ten being maximum exertion and one being the least if something is programmed in RPE 10, it's absolute max exertion. You've got no more reps left in the tank. If it's RPE 9, you have one more rep left in the tank when you finish the set. And so frequently when we train, uh, I program something like an RPE 8 
So technically every set, the athlete should have two more left in the tank. And so something's at an RP eight, you should be able to do that extra rep. Um, but the problem is you run into people who are putting way too much weight on the bar or doing it with poor form. And then when they try to push themselves that extra little bit, they hurt themselves. Yeah. So, so it's still a balancing act then. I mean, yeah. it's still the same thing because I, cause that's sort of what I deal with in, in the way that, you know, I, I, I call it my little dark place, my dark cave where your brain goes to that point of shutting off. And, and I think this is what I was trying to get to a little bit earlier about the difference between the two is that like in, in the kind of high volume, which is more like endurance oriented. And, and I chose lifting high volume, not because I had some great plan, but I found that as I was working out, I was able to get stronger, but uh, my appetite, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't change. Right. So that yeah. I could, I could lift high volume, get heavy weight, heavy work in and get a heavy load in, but then not feel like going home and really wanting to crush some food. Cause every time I would go heavy and low rep, I just found myself like uncontrollably eating. But yes. So, so from that end of it, like I'm always going to this dark place where your mind almost shuts off. And like in, in what you do and what powerlifters do, you can't really shut it off. Right. Like, cause it's so much focus yeah. and, and concentrated effort. Right. Like when you're doing a heavy lift, like what's going through your mind? Because I know in my mind, when I'm getting to that place, it's really just about like absorbing the pain and finding these mental games you play with yourself to get through the pain. It's almost the only thing I could equate it to is like, if you were a prisoner and you're going through torture and you're like going outside of yourself to like find, yeah. find the way to keep going. But I, I imagine in what you're doing, it's more about like very concentrated focused energy that, that has to, stay in it i mean is, is that true yeah so i think it, it varies per lifter um you know for me it, it's a combination of two things in the build-up to a heavy lift yeah. uh, especially something that squats so squat is is my strongest lift it's what i'm known for so when i'm building up for a heavy squat and i have see the weight on the bar it's very much concentrated rage that for me i have to channel every ounce of fury that's within my body at that bar. Um, I think it was Eddie Hall said after he completed that uh, 500 kilo deadlift yeah. that he was imagining that uh, someone was trying to hurt his wife and children wow. and that he had to pull the man off of them. And that was the deadlift for him. Wow. And so for him, it was such an intense mental drive. Like I'm protecting my family. Yeah, yeah. That for me, it tends to be just this rage of everyone who said I couldn't do it. Everyone who said I couldn't make it. I'm proving them wrong. I'm shutting their mouths. But I think when I get under the bar, my mind's completely uh -huh. um, that it's knowing that I can do it and I've trained for it and it's just completing the movement. And when I rack that weight, my brain starts working again. I, I, I guess there's some parallels to it because then I, I think that the, the big difference is it's what it sounds like is when you're power lifting is you're focusing that energy to a very finite sort of period of, of time. But I know that when, when you're mm -hmm. doing like endurance and you're going there, like you're, you're constantly breaking things down into smaller chunks, right? That's how you absorb it. But it, yeah. it almost sounds like it's like, whereas, you know, if you're looking at a graph, it sounds like powerlifting, you would spike it and it would just stay high in that moment. You know, you kind of shut your brain off and you get the lift done. Cause I'm assuming at that point, if you're thinking too much, you're going to technically probably screw it up. Exactly. Uh, but but with sort of endurance oriented, it's like it's more of like a, a heartbeat going across. And it's just how long can that go across? Yeah. 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 So 
it's interesting because I because I because I I can definitely tell you that there are the times when you when you think you're getting to whatever the peak of that is, whether you know it's the tenth set or you know however a hundred plus reps. Like your brain definitely gets to that point too, where you have to focus and channel to get over the hump of whatever that next segment is, right? So if it's like five more, and you know once you get over this five reps that you're going downhill, like you definitely focus to get there. So I, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a really great image to put to that. Yeah. Um, so kind of as you uh, you mentioned a couple minutes ago, you know, yeah. you said when you go heavy weight and that low yeah. reps, that appetite is ravenous. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so, you know, something that people may not know about you, you're very keto focused yeah. uh, on nutrition. So yep. I'm very much a person that is on, I say what's called a seafood diet. I see it and I eat it. <laughs> um, and somehow it's, it's worked out okay with me. Um, yeah, yeah. But so what what is keto what have you seen as being the benefits for it for you and how has that really played into your transformation well so keto i'm i'm somebody who is um i I, my my body does not handle insulin very well Mm -hmm. so so insulin sensitivity uh goes away very quickly so it you know sometimes if i stare at something that's too sweet i mean my insulin probably spikes (laughs) Uh, so So, so, so going keto really was, was sort of the start of that. I mean, I was eating a bunch of crap when I first started down the road. And what I found is that when I was eating, you know, less than a hundred grams of carbs a day that I was just feeling better. And that eventually just evolved into going, going keto, um, you know, within the last, you know, month or so I've, I've started intermittent fasting and and that has been a huge difference in terms of just controlling my insulin. I I'd, I'd finished, a uh, a book uh, by Dr. Jason Fung, the obesity code. And that's been a, um, a huge eye opener in, in, in just understanding that it's when it comes to weight loss, so much more of it is hormone control than it is necessarily just, you know, simple as calories in calories out. Yes. Do those things matter, but you know, your hormones need to be in check before anything else. So th- that's kind of where I am. In fact, I'm starting tomorrow. Uh, and part of this is like that mental game that I'm playing with myself uh, one of the things they prescribe in the book is doing one meal a day. And while we're while we're stuck in this quarantine, um, at, at least for the foreseeable future, I figured, let me figure out what, what can I do to keep things entertaining. And, and that next thing for me is going to be 30 days of continuing to work out, um, obviously having to do a lot of home workouts, and, and it's more endurance related, but doing one meal a day and just seeing how I feel at the end of the month. Wow. Well, that, and that takes dedication in and of itself. Yeah. I don't know if I could pull that off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I probably wouldn't recommend it with as heavy as you normally lift, you know? <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, I actually, so I, I don't have access to, to really the weights right now. So, but my aunt and uncle who lived out in Loudoun County yeah. had a, uh, an old barbell that had been sitting in their garage for who knows how long. So I went out to, to Lowe's on an emergency trip, you know, if Governor Northam's listening, an emergency trip, I went out to Lowe's and uh, picked up all the stuff to refurbish the bar. So kind of my my goal right now is to reset this bar, get some of this rust off, it, yeah, uh, and start doing a little bit more functional training, yeah. You know, while I don't have access to something. Well, I was, was going to ask you is, is how are you going about? You know, it, listen, if if it's only a month, then it, it probably won't be too bad. But we, we don't know sure. at this point, right? Like Virginia and, and Maryland are, are having the stay at home order until the end of uh, essentially until the beginning of June. Like I'm curious for me it's easy because all I'm switching up is, is like, I'm doing more volume, like even more volume. Cause I have less weight. Right. 
So it's like yeah. I, the, the, the change for me is a little bit easier, but like, how are you handling it? Maybe you can help some of the other folks out there that are stuck at home that, that are hardcore power lifters like you, like what, what, um, what are you going to do? I mean, it sounds like you got this barbell, but how can you change your training so you can continue to, to stay on it? Yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, it's been tough. Um, I mean, I really haven't gotten to lift heavy probably since I, I left school, uh, which I guess now is probably two and a half weeks yeah. ago. Um, and so, you know, it's been, it's been a search, I think more than anything else to try to find even some form of equipment. Um, but kind of what I've told, you know, all of my athletes as well, um, is it's finding what you can do and doing it for the, yeah. for the vast majority of people within the fitness community. They're not at an elite level. Um, yeah. And so those people that are at the elite level are also making money off of sponsorships and have full home gyms, right. know, hundreds of pounds of weights. Right. And they're fine. Right. Um, so the vast majority of the rest of this population are people who enjoy lifting and maybe competing um, and maybe even going to a national level. Um, but it's not going to kill them to take an off season. Yeah. And so I, I really think for me, uh, and this may not be true for everyone, I'm honestly t- taking this as my off season. I try to take three months off a year, uh-huh. um, really just to focus on um, weight maintenance. Uh, during comp season, I'm usually about 275. Um, and during off season, I'm about 240. So of getting back down to about 240 and just really being engaged like cardiovascular wise, yeah, like yeah. my heart rate up and just trying to stay generally healthy. Yeah. Um, because the rest of the season, I mean, it's just, it's brutalizing yeah. my body. Um, for nine months. And so I honestly, I, I kind of just tell them to do functional training because that's really all we can do. Yeah. I think, at this point. Well, I, I just did this the other day because a friend of mine told me this. Apparently when the when this whole stay at, uh, stay at home order started across the U.S., Peloton is offering um, their online subscription for training um, for uh, for 90 days for free and then it's $13 a month. So I signed up for it um, because I'm having to, you know, use my bike or get home more frequently. And and I was surprised to find they've got yoga classes. They've got, uh, you know, running on treadmill classes. They've got everything there. So for for people looking for a source, you you have to put a credit card in, but you can cancel before the end of the 90 days. There are endless hours upon hours of training. There's some amazing trainers on there. Um, there's amazing eye candy in both men and women, and they're just like <laughs> super high energy. It's got music. And the nice thing is, I think with all this time we're spending at home, you know, trying to like find ways to occupy our time. What I found that I like about it is you're not having to like program for yourself and make stuff up. And so it's it's nice. And so it's a nice change. I cannot recommend that more, uh, especially because they're they're essentially offering it for free for for the next three months. Yeah. And that's pretty hard to say no to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially because most people, you know, they are feeling like, man, like, you know, for balance, balance isn't a cheap. Gym. No, uh, no. And so it's definitely a feeling of like, man, if I'm not getting rid of my membership, then man, I feel like I'm losing money. So getting into something for three months, it's, it's free. I mean, it, it feels like a game changer. For is sure. it, isn't balance doing um, some online uh, classes throughout the, throughout the day? Yeah. I think I saw Bill was doing a few. Yeah. Uh, he's making a point of it. So I think they're definitely trying to stay engaged. I think a lot of gyms yeah. are, uh, just as much as possible because outside of private training facilities, most stuff shut down. Yeah. Well, I think at this point they're all shut down, right? Like I think, I, yeah, I, I think, I think right. if people are going in, they're sort of doing it under the table behind the scenes because 
Um, I think at this point they're all shut because because for a while it was the ten person thing, but I think they're now all closed. It's it's a definitely depressing time for the fitness community. Yeah, sure. yeah. It, it's it's tough, but you know it's it's like everything else. I think fortunately, uh, neither one of us are in the, in the business business of it. And mad respect to everyone who's listening who who is in the fitness business, especially those those trainers out there who rely on that training to, to earn a living. It's it's tough. I mean, we'll, we'll all get through it, and hopefully, we will get we can get through it stronger on the other end of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so even in, in this, you know, obviously you mentioned, you know, you started, you know, mid 400s, you dropped, you kind of gained again and dropped down again. So you definitely experienced setbacks. And I think everyone does at different points, uh, whether it's injuries, whether it's uh, issues with their families, uh, financial struggles, everyone hits those kind of roadblocks. So, you know, what, what has helped you stay focused um, despite those kind of kinks in the armor? Uh, and what would you say to people, you know, that may be really facing that right now in the midst of pandemic? I, I think the first thing is, is the, the, the hardest thing is sometimes is just taking action, right? It's just moving. And I found one of the best strategies for me is lowering the bar, right? So like when you're unmotivated, because we all get there, right? We all get to a point where we're just like, we just don't give a shit. I mean, I mean, even, even like somebody like Jocko will in his brain there's a day he's just like i don't feel like doing this but what differentiates him is he gets up and he does it no matter what and yeah. and for me what i found one of the good things one of the great strategies is just lowering that bar so low that you can't mess it up so on that day that i don't want to get up and do anything maybe the planned workout for that day is you know i'm going to get on the biker and do you know 30, 32,000 meters is 20 miles, right? And 20 miles, I, I, I do pretty regularly. Well, on that day, if I don't feel like it, 20 miles might as well be like 300 miles, right? And, and so yeah. I start, yeah. so, so rather than say, I'm going to go do that, what I tell myself on those days is, look, I'm going to go do 500 meters, right? I'm going to do 500 meters and that's it. And the crazy thing is, is, is I know I'm trying to trick myself but I still get on and do the 500 meters and inevitably because I'm moving. Right. And because I'm going, I never end up doing just 500 meters. Right. And, and the great thing about it psychologically is that day is let's say, even if I just did 500, it's a win, but more times than not, I will get up to what my intended goal was. But even if I only did half of that, that day, then, you know, it's still a major win because I was starting that day off you know, thinking it's going to be a donut, right? Like thinking I'm not going to get anything out of it. And so I, I find that found that as a huge help is just thinking I'm whatever the lowest bar is, that's what I'm going to do that day. And so, and so that's been a huge help. And so when, when I'm in that bad mental state, that's what I use to just continue to push on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's huge. And I, and I think even just speaking that mentality is just such a big part of this, you know, I feel like it's kind of been a theme of kind of what we've been talking about. The men, you got to beat the mental game before you can beat the physical. Yeah, game. yeah. I, I, Ali, you know, Ali over balance. He he, um, he, he he likes to say a lot. You know how how it's always about. Um, and then when he says it, I just I want to actually throw something at him because it's usually when you're when you're suffering. Um, <laughs> he loves to say that the, the body is ready, like and the body is willing, it, it, and it's all in the mind. You know, it's like it, and and constantly just just telling you to to push yourself like you know, don't go for easy, go for the hard thing, you know, scratch at the hard thing. And and I think 
once you start doing that, you start to appreciate it and you start to enjoy it to, to, a, to a certain extent. And, and I think that's a, that's a key factor. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and so kind of, uh, along, you know, that's that mental conversation, you know, you were featured in Washingtonian, uh, Washingtonian back yeah. in September. Uh, and you know, I kind of read through it and, you know, I saw they kind of asked you, uh, uh, how'd you stick uh, and be strict yeah. with keto? Uh, and you kind of just said, Hey, there's no such thing as a work life and fitness balance. You prioritize and you got to, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and so, I mean, as kind of along that, you know, my original, my original question was going to be, what does it look like to yeah. balance it through this? And, you know, obviously the answer is you can't. So what does it look like to converge the three of those healthily without becoming obsessive over one and skimpy? On I, I see. I think obsession seen put put into a negative light is somewhat a um i don't think it's i don't think it's right because if if you talk to people anyone who achieves something big and and you'll you'll find the way they talk about it if they're kind of nuts we'll call it obsession but if they're likable we'll call it passion right like and so yes. i feel like you almost have to have it in a bit of that if you really want something bad enough and it's big enough. What when it comes to actually, you know, keeping any level of balance, I think it's just what's the most important thing to you and and prioritizing. And, you know, it's um Gary Keller, you know, in, in the book The One Thing, he talks about that like there really isn't um this balance, but there is what he calls sort of counterbalancing. And I think it that to me along with convergence makes the most of sense for, for me, I like that the things just have to meld together. Right. So if, if you're trying to spend time with somebody that you care about, well, I get them into fitness and like, that's how, that's one way you're going to spend time because they know that I'm not going to give up that time. Right. So, so if they want to spend time, let's go do yeah. this thing. Gary Keller, on the other hand, just sort of says, look, in prioritizing, it means that today you're going to choose to do X, whether it's spend time with your wife or kids. And then, Tomorrow, it's why you're sacrificing your time with kids to go do the actual um, working out. So, me personally, I just I, I think it's important enough to me because because my my health and life are sort of at, at stake that it, it, it takes priority. And um, I, I if there's a healthy way to balance it out, I don't think I found it. I think <laughs> I think if I think if yeah, it's becoming. And, and who I am. And to be honest with you, trust me, I've thought of many, many different ways of how, how can I turn it into a business? Not because I want to monetize and make, you know, do so. It's more about like, how can I make that part also so that it doesn't feel like I'm taking away from my professional life? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. And, and I mean, I think I, I really like what you said there on obsession because, you know, so I uh, obviously will, I'm graduating now, you know, since we're kind of in lockdown through commencement. Um, but, you know, at my time at Liberty, uh, I was part of the powerlifting team. Yeah. Uh, it helps lead the team, coach the team. And, you know, it, it's a, a unit of people that are so driven to pursue something. Like, honestly, it was, it was incredible to watch. Yeah. That it was, it was a group of young adults yeah. who knew what they wanted to do and were willing to do what they needed to to get there. Uh, and very frequently that meant that we ended up kind of being that aloof group yeah. because we were like, why, are, why is this group of 15 people in the gym three hours a day? You know, yeah, yeah. it's not to say, Hey, you need to work out three hours a day, but just the fact it was 
that is what the priority was, you know, even out beyond academics. Yeah. Um, that they recognize that that was the career goal. And I think that's really good that they say, yeah, when the person's appealing, it's passion. But when it's someone uh, weird or crazy, it's obsession. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I, I think, I think um, a clear in- indicator of that is somebody like Steve Jobs, right? Like where depending on the side of fence, on the fence that you fall on of what you think of that person, right? Whether he was a genius or a maniac, right? Like that seems to be a black and white thing. He was either super passionate or, or he was obsessive. And um, either way, he still accomplished the things that he wanted to accomplish, you know? And so I think at the end of the day, if you value whatever that thing is enough, you're, you're going to do whatever it takes to get there. And regardless of the outcome, because regardless of, of what people think of you, because it's more important to you to, to achieve that thing. And, and I think, I think the, the, uh, the most important integrity a person can have is that self-integrity. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and along that exact same track, you know, of pursuing something, reaching that final goal, you know, uh, people say, Hey, don't come up with a long-term goal because then once you've reached it, what's next. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as you, as you look ahead, you know, I, I know on your Instagram page, it says, you know, you want to get to 185. Yeah. So let's say you hit 185. Yeah. What's next? I, if it, hitting 185 is something that, that is a number in my head, right? Is it, is it a healthy number? I don't know. Is it a long-term sustainable number? I don't know. I do know I want to be below 200 pounds for my own self mentally in the long term because it puts me yeah. that many more centuries away from 400. Right. So it's like, yeah. You know, if I was an alcoholic, it's like it's uh, it's as far away from the bar as I can get. Right. So yeah. <clears throat> that's where I'm there. But the, the goal that we're, when we get there is I, I, I know this sort of obsession, passion, whatever you want to call it, that I'm building towards endurance and like mental toughness. Uh, I will find myself doing other things along those lines. In, in the past, one of the things I like to do was mountaineering. Um it's been so long since I've been up there. I, I'm not 100% sure if I have the the same toughness that I did because I because I have a huge fear of heights. I always have, and it's why I sort of sort of pursued that. And uh, I can tell you, I've been up in a mountain recently, and not having been up there a while, it, it was pretty scary. So like that definitely gave me a bit of a gut check. But I, that that's what I'm I will pursue are those sort of in, endurance related things. Uh, I, I know that I've, cause I'm already sort of headed in that direction. So, you know, the weight is, is the number to hit, but is it the end? No, because like, you know, it's like David Goggins says, right? Like this, this, I mean, to be blunt, he says this shit never ends, right? Like there's always a new challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Um, because and it's true, uh, you know, this, this has kind of been a reality check for me this year. Uh, I was supposed to be competing at collegiate nationals. Um, and this week was going to be when I was competing this upcoming wow. Sunday was my scheduled competition. Wow. Uh, and so like as, as a senior, especially in college is my last year of eligibility. Uh, and so kind of facing that loss of saying, Oh man, like this would have been cool to do, but like it's not yeah. going to happen. And realizing, well, that wasn't the end. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was, that was a step in the path. Yeah of reaching that final enlightenment, yeah. you know? Um, so I think that, yeah, I think that's what's really so- um, milestone, right. And, and your demographic, your generation of people are, are, you know, probably the, 
I don't know if there's ever a time in, in the history of, of our country in, in modern times when an entire generation of students aren't going to have that rite of passage, right? Like, um, how are you dealing with that? Have you sort yeah. of come to grips with it? And, you know, how, because I, because there, there's something I think in, in our culture, right? Like, we don't have rituals like we used to. And I think it's one of the, um, I think it's one of the things that sort of has created a lot of the social disruption or uh, disarray is that the right word, but like we, we don't have a lot of milestones like we used to because of the way technology, life, society, all those things are. And I think th this is one of those remaining things that still exist. And so not being able to get that, like how, how has that impacted you and, and how are you sort of, how are you looking at it and how, how are you sort of working through it? Yeah, you know, it, I think I've handled it as best as I could have. Uh, you know, when I, uh, now it's for everyone that's listening, uh, I go to Liberty University, which for the last two weeks, every day has been trending on Twitter, trending in the news and everything else for uh, the comments that our university president, Jerry Falwell, has made. Um, so alongside that, when I left for spring break, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we were told we were coming back. Uh, stuff was still kind of ramping up. Uh, no one was still really sure what to make of COVID. And so they're like, yeah, just assume you're going to come back. Now me being in some way wise said, I'm going to pack like I'm not coming back. And of course, three days later, we're told, yeah, you're staying at home. So I think it was a lot of information very quickly. Um, and I think I'm handling it well in that I'm choosing yeah. to make do with what I've got. Uh, I recognize that I'm in a very fortunate position in the grand scheme of things. You know, I've, I'm able to be home with family. Uh, I don't have to really worry about finances right now. Really, the worst thing for me is I'm losing graduation. Yeah. And I'm not training. And, the, and though that sucks in the grand scheme yeah. of things, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, and so I think it's, it's the reframing is really what it is for me. You know, I got an email today from Liberty saying they're rescheduling our graduation to September. Um, I'm moving out to Utah, uh, over the summer, uh, just to go yeah. experience a different side of the U S. And so I know I won't be coming back for that. And I think me getting that email really confirmed for me that I'm going to finish when I yeah. finish, you know, just in a few weeks and that's going to be it. And, and it's sad, but you know, I think, you know, the last 22 years of my life has, has built up for me to be able to handle that. Uh, you know, and it's just, that, that's I'm so key. I think what you just said about reframing, uh, because that's, that's everything, right? Like that, that, that's like how you perceive it, you know, like our, you know, our, our brains, if you think about it, our physical brains don't actually live in the real world, right? It's inside of this, this, um, calcium, you know, right. case, right? Hard calcium case. And it, Sit, floats in liquid right but it doesn't right. touch the outside everything is fed through it through electric impulses which give the brain everything and so everything is perception and how you perceive it and how you channel it really determines um the, the world and i think like that's so key even in training right like how you perceive what's going on is like you can choose to have this thing as a failure or as a stepping stone to whatever that next success is right yeah yeah, and, and yeah. that's really the only option, I think, is the other thing that's helpful. Um, you know, before before the Enneagram became a, a cult following thing for basic white girls to comment uh, little trends on their Instagram stories, uh, my mom spent a ton of time studying yeah. 
and the principles behind it. And, and my type being this meat is this yeah. desire to be in control. Uh, and that's something in my whole life. I always desire to be in control. And I think the lesson that I'm being forced to learn, um, even as, as a Christian, something that I'm having to learn is there, there's something greater than what's yeah. going on in my life going on. You know, yeah. that I'm not the center of the universe, regardless yeah. of whether there is a God or not. Yeah. I'm not it. <laughs> like life was existing yeah. and a lot of things were accomplished yeah. before I was born. You know, and I think it's recognizing that, yeah, it's just there's more going on. Uh, what can I do to make sure I'm being a positive influence yeah. on the world? Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. You know? You're you know, I'm 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 a I'm a just a, just a little bit older than you, but it, it's reassuring that there are there are a lot of people that are that are, you know, in their 20s who, who are thinking that way. Right. Um, especially after because every yeah. millennial the generations that are younger, it's always the older generation pooping on the on the younger ones um, as, you know, self-involved and, and narcissistic, which, I'm, you know, there's probably some some degree that's there because of the exposure to media. But I, I like hearing that, you know, the, the way that you're looking at the world, it's, it's very uh, it's very old school and right minded. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I, I appreciate that. I think for each of us, it's just finding, you know, what we can yeah. do. Uh, because really at the end of the day, that's the only thing that we can control uh, is how we respond to situations. So, um, well, you know, I, kind of as we started this, you know, I mentioned, you know, obviously I stumbled across you on TikTok. Uh, and uh, everyone knows, you know, a year ago, TikTok was still kind of starting to like birth. I think I first downloaded maybe February of last year. I had no idea what I was doing. It was still kind of that like cringy thing that people are like oh you've got a tiktok like cool man <laughs> and it's now like bloomed into being the number one social media app yeah. in the world uh and you've obviously benefited from that i mean i'm looking here at 331,000. yeah followers. yeah how how is that how i that I, I wish i could say there was some grand plan and i'm some amazingly gifted social media <laughs> person but it, if I had picked that up maybe nine months earlier, I'm pretty sure I would have hit a million by now. Um, the great thing with TikTok is that it is the only social media platform that's out there where the organic reach is, is just amazing still. And so you could start an account with zero followers and you put out content that people like and it will trend very quickly. And so I don't know any other platform where you can be a nobody and get a million views on your third or fourth video, um, or your third or fourth post. And, and I, I definitely benefited from that. And, and what, what started off as something that was just luck. I've definitely over the last three months had to sort of learn the algorithm and I'm constantly sort of playing around with it. Um, but you know, I, I, I wish I could tell you there were some great, great big plan. Uh, it, it is still very much an open platform relative to say something like Instagram. Um, but it, it is, it is growing so quickly. And, and I think what's the thing that makes it so unique. And so for people that don't know, when you open the app on TikTok, there's literally two lanes and there's the lane of people that you're following. And then there's a yeah. lane of people that you're not following, which is the for you page. And that for you page is all algorithmically driven. And so it just learns what you like and it'll send you more of that. Right. And so you're constantly exposed yeah. to new people new ideas. And that's what I think I like about it. it personally, as a user, what's refreshing is like you get exposed to a lot of new things because it'll share stuff that it knows you like, but then it'll also share stuff with you that it think you will like. Right. And so it's constantly throwing that mix in there, which is, yeah. which is a lot of fun and uh, it's entertaining. 
yeah, and I, and I think what's interesting, you know, it is kind of that random yeah. virality that it, it can be anything from, you know, a, a person wrapping uh, rubber bands around a watermelon with goggles on their face that gets 10 yeah. million views. But then you can also see that exact same video yeah. get 20 views. Um, you know, even if you scroll through your page, yeah, like you could have something that is yeah. a hundred thousand views. Ex- exactly, exactly, and and that's what's what's so unique and and crazy about it, right? Like there there are things that you can do for the algorithm that get you in front of people, but at the end of the day, the audience is still going to determine whether or not it keeps going out to more people, and so it's you you have to have yeah. a unique voice. So that, like anyone that asks me for advice on TikTok, the thing that I know is that you have whatever your voice is. You got to find it. And the best way to find it on TikTok is to generate as much content as you can. And and so the nice thing with the, with the algorithm is you can't yeah. mess it up, right? Like you keep, you can keep pumping stuff out. And if one hits, that's all it takes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, I follow Gary V and that's pretty much what he says. Yeah. You should be putting out 12, 15 things a day. Now that's not really doable yeah, yeah. for a lot of average people. But it is, it's that thing of, yeah, the more you put out, one of them yeah, is going to pick up traction. Uh, and I think I've seen maybe a couple of my videos have gotten, you know, pushed forward. I think there's a video of me, like, missing uh, the rack when I was uh, putting my bar back on. And it was almost like the screen yeah, yeah. grab that I chose. Yeah, yeah, really I, yeah. There, there's definitely, like, technique parts of it. But, you know, like you said with that video, it's it's what's going to catch people's attention, you know, and... And when it comes to the actual TikTok algorithm, yeah. like if so, so, this part, so there's a lot of it that's a mis- a lot of it that's just conjecture. One of the things that sort of people know is that the way the algorithm works is that when you post something, it puts it out on people's for you pages uh, to, I think the number is, is something like, it's like one to 50 people. And then from that number, based on their interactions with it, it'll then push it out to another 50 people and then it goes from 100 to 200 and then it's a 500 and then to a thousand and it continues to do that up into a point that it loses traction whatever the algorithm says whatever that metric is Um, and so as it's pushing it out if people that continue to engage it in the wider and wider audience it gets pushed out further and further and further and that's how you can end up with a video being a nobody having two million views in a matter of a couple days uh, because that algorithm keeps pushing it and so, and so that's why just pumping content is, is the best strategy on TikTok right now. Yeah. Well, and, and kind of along this, because you know, I know this, even people outside of the fitness community, this is probably what they'll really be drawn to here in this episode. Um, I think the most interesting case study of TikTok right now is Charlie. Yeah. Canelia, yeah. Of how, how this, this 15 year old girl has taken the world by yeah. storm to the point where she's got like 50 yeah followers. yeah well and she and she's benefited as well because she was early right she was early on tiktok and so yes. it was very easy to to build that traction but you know she does those things along the way that built it where the, the algorithm really really helped push it but i think at this point she might as well be a celebrity in terms of the way that she adds followers i think she's number one on tiktok right yeah. Yeah. I mean, on, yeah, and it's just yeah. it's incredible. Yeah. And the, the crazy thing is, is, is she a good dancer? Yeah, she is a good dancer, but is she a phenomenal 
like once in a lifetime generational type of dancer. No, she's not. But there's this there's this voice that she has in her dances and the music that she chooses that is compelling for her audience. You know, um, look, the truth is, though, like it doesn't matter. Like that's the, the size of the audience. And, and I'm very much playing into it, too. Like what I love, I'm, my goal is to hit a million followers. I don't know if I will. I don't know if I won't. But that's just a numbers thing. But what I know already is the people that I am that are following me, I am impacting them because I get messages all the time on Instagram. And it's a wide variety of people that are just like, hey, I respect yeah. your hustle, your grind. Or, you know, you get someone who's like, I'm trying to lose weight and they're frustrated and they want encouragement. Like those things happen. So you don't have to have a giant audience to do it, you know, um, having having a thousand sure. loyal people or even a hundred loyal people follow you and interact with you. If, if what you're trying to do is create impact, you, you absolutely will. Yeah. And I think, I think that's really important as well, because, you know, one of the things we see across all social media platforms is, is people can frequently uh, build that following yeah. based on being genuine, but the bigger the following gets, the more yeah, absolutely. they become. And I, and I, and I think it's interesting in seeing, yeah, even in seeing you interact in like live videos and stuff. And another guy who I'll be having on the podcast for next week's episode, James Strickland, is the same way. Um, that it's even though you guys have garnered that following, you're remembering at yeah, one yeah. point you had zero followers. Like one point, you're, yeah. and you're still just a dude. And I think people forget that that we're, people don't suddenly become hot yeah. shit just because they have followers. They're still just yeah, it, trying to it's, it's a out. weird experience you know? too because you know growing up as a kid for me in in the 90s it's there was still very much centralized media, right? Like cable TV was just starting to get big. Yeah, I had MTV, yeah. but there was maybe 100 channels at that point, right? And and it, it, it was very concentrated. And and so the term of a celebrity or who you got excited about that you were a fan of you had to get through a lot of gate gatekeepers. So it was, you know, it was either traditional realms of music from the record companies or, or BTV, but it's so weird that on TikTok I've got, you know, people that are like teenagers or younger and like the comments they leave are definitely just comments of someone of that age. But it is weird because I, mm -hmm. I kind of recognize that sort of fanboyism that you get when you were a kid. And, and I'm just like, dude, I'm just a dude, like documenting my my sort of journey right and so i, I have to tell you it, it is a bit of a, a surreal yeah. uh, experience but um the end of the day i know if i can create impact then it's it's all well worth it because the truth is is like i i don't know what it's going to be i don't have some green great scheme i i do know i uh, i really enjoy interacting with people and any help or advice i can i, I enjoy doing that yeah well and, and of course you'll you'll get that that fanboy element that people are like oh my gosh like you're literally my idol i can't yeah. believe it da, 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 da. but then on the other side i i know yeah. there's also the hate and and i wonder do you still get that or is it mostly people that are really just well so this is the good thing journey? about at least tiktok right and so tiktok the orientation of the company and the and the map and the, the roadmap that they've sort of put things on they really fight against the the hate, and so people who spew hate in comments and 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 harass people, they get kicked off pretty quickly. Um, I, if I get any of that, it's more yeah. on Instagram, and then it's just usually just kids messing around. Sure. I haven't gotten anything crazy, but like most of the time, what I'm getting 
um, are people that are just appreciative of, of it or encouraging. And, and, you know, I think part of it is, I think part of it too, though, is, is I zone it out. Um, so whatever is there, you know, if a comments there, I, I don't even re read it. I'll end up deleting it and just moving on. Um, Cause I know for the most part, all that stuff is just, you know, it's keyboard tough guyism, and um, in that moment, maybe they thought something cool, but in the grand scheme, a lot of those people don't even mean what they say. So, but it hasn't, it hasn't been over, uh, but yeah. you know, that part of that might be cause I'm not on Twitter. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. So I redownloaded Twitter yeah. just a few weeks ago because all yeah, the yeah. stuff with Liberty was happening. And when I say, man, it is a, a cesspool of humanity. That yeah, it just is yeah. the worst of people. Uh, because it's just yeah, thoughts, with no filter, Because right? oh. there's no filter because you don't actually Absolutely say not. it in words, right? Like you type it out, so it's still technically in your head, right? And then you hit send, and it's in the world, you know. So, so that's what's kind of nuts about yeah. it. Uh, and and it is, it's just you know, you scroll. I like, I have to limit myself, you know, for the most part. I mean, being the the late term millennial yeah. early term gen z that i am obviously i'm yeah. still connected all the time but i have to that's the one social yeah. media side i really have to limit myself because if i spend too much time on that man i become so cynical because it's just yeah. wow like, everyone hates each other and i have to like go look at like puppy videos or like dudes crying when their brides walk down the aisle because i'm like i have to find that Th that's kind of what facebook has come for me it is like, and, and that just sort of dates my, my age, right? Like, um, Facebook is, is that right. And, and I think the it's Facebook has become just, just another version of Twitter in terms of how volatile it can be. You know, the difference is, is that most of the people yeah. you're interacting with are people that you know, but it's just like, it's just as toxic. And I think it might even be worse th than Twitter because Facebook, there's the ability to reshare so much. Yeah um that i think it, it's just it, it's yes. pretty bad and and i think this is why tiktok is starting to become the leader is the leader is because it's kind of what instagram was when instagram started to gain traction you know instagram was the place that people migrated from facebook to because it was yeah. the happier place and and that's kind of what tiktok is now i mean i i can't yes. tell, tell you the number of times that i've wasted time on tiktok yeah. and just like burst out laughing because i saw something funny Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. It's, it's yeah, yeah. that creativity of mankind. Uh, yeah. What can I do with 15 seconds with a minute? Yeah. That's either so messed up that it's still kind of funny. Yeah. But it's like, it's seeing, especially these kids, because yeah, yeah. there are so many minors that are on there. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was, I was creative the the I was two things that, that would get me every time are the, uh, is, are, are someone doing the Mentos and soda, like a, a, a reincarnation of that. Like, I, I, I still want to do oh it. Like, gosh. I still want to go to a parking lot and get a two liter and drop some Mentos in there and toss it. But somebody did it in their in their home bathroom. And it was hilarious because they filled their toilet with Coke. Oh my and then God. they dropped the whole roll of Mentos. In there. Like, how, <laughs> you know, so like that. Yeah, that, seriously, it's a, it's a commitment. Like that 15 you know? seconds, it, that dude was probably cleaning that up for hours. <laughs> you know, like. Uh, that that and the and anything that's like yeah. dominoes or marbles, where it's like this long trail path. Like I don't know, I just find that stuff riveting. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's a, there's an account uh, I followed recently. Um, yeah. I forget what her name is. But she's like a grandmother who does oh, yeah. have the sodas where she like will be sitting in you know, this like beautiful dress. Like you can tell like she's had it for like 30 years and she's sitting at the kitchen table and takes a bottle of Mentos <laughs> in it and just puts her face over the bottle and it just destroys her. But, but like she's gained like a million followers. It, it reminds me of the, like, one of the trends, that. right? Like where someone takes a bottle of water and there's that song and I don't know what song it is, but like they take an open bottle of water, they have the camera and they put the, they point the camera at someone's face and then they hold the water bottle like right in front of the face and like the song stops and then there's like a five second pause and then right when the song picks up again you squeeze the water bottle in that person's face like i i that's so hilarious to me like i yeah I, I i don't have the guts yet to do it to one of my parents but i feel like that would be get me like two million views i just i, I just i just haven't been able to overcome the threshold of getting my butt whipped by a 70 year old woman so <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Of like what the fallout would be then. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, no, mom, I got the views. I got so. the views. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think that is that. It really is so interesting. Um, just in, I think I've seen. There's still going to be both sides, you know, across all social media platforms. But I do think TikTok has done a good job, despite all of it, of even being something, especially now. As people are so, if they if they go out into the real world, they're reminded by the people wearing masks and uh, yeah. the news that everything else outside is depressing. That I think people are actually yeah to TikTok. I'm, I'm sure their numbers have spiked because it's something where people are just making yeah yeah. I definitely seen a lot more to be creative uh, doing it. And and if you think about it, like how often in in the American lifestyle, right, the traditional American lifestyle, with the hours that we work and the, and the pressures that we have as is, you know, fathers, mothers had this much concentrated time with their children. Right. And so like, I think that's one of the really cool things to see on TikTok are all these new videos coming out of parents doing stuff with their kids that they, they wouldn't have done in the past because they're so busy going from point A to B, you know, and just, just living their lives. And and you're seeing it every day, which is, which is, which is yeah. really cool. Yeah. Well, kind of as we move towards the end here, you know, as I was reading, um, you know, one of your your blog posts uh, on your website, uh, yeah, you, you mentioned that inspiration only gets you so far. Um, the quote I read was, you said, hey, let's be honest, inspiration is just like doing a line of blow. When it hits you, your neurons are heightened, feel an impulse of energy, something great. You feel like you could defeat fucking King Kong. Just like Coke, the feeling is fleeting. And so, you know, we're in this, uh, even with these 15-second things and this Instagram instant gratification, short little mind blip world, everyone's looking for that quick fix of inspiration. You know, in an environment like that, what does it look like to really find inspiration? And so it's funny that that, that's what you brought up because the number one question I get from across the board, you know, besides asking if I have T-shirts, is is the uh, the T-shirts to sell that say – uh, salty as f on it um is that question but it's asked about motivation right and so people are like how do you stay motivated and i know what they're asking actually asking yeah. me is is how how do i stay get inspired and so because what they're looking for is that magic bullet right they're looking for that thing that's going to get them going whatever that impulse is and like yeah. um really get them just triggered and and i tell them all the time that like it doesn't last, right? Like it's not 
real. And at the end of the day, the only thing that you have mm -hmm. is the ability to be disciplined, right? And it's just staying out and going and doing it on the days that you don't want to do it. And there's no solution. I'm sure you know, I'm sure anyone who trains knows there's no secret formula. Like that's the thing, right? It's just, you have to just do it and you have to do it on the days that you don't and, and finding out how you do it and continue to push is, is it's that discipline, right? And inspiration is fleeting your motivation, your reason why you want to do it, I think is very important. And for some, I think that will pull them more. Uh, but I find that the more you're disciplined, you don't have to push as hard and it's more about you being pulled towards whatever your goals are, right? Because because you're willing to put in the work and you're willing to grind and keep pushing on the days that that you don't want to do it, that that you're ultimately pulled towards it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so good. I was like, there's a sound bite right in there. I was like, that's so good. Um, because it's true, there isn't a magic formula. And I think that people frequently look for that because they're looking for the quick fix. They're looking for something. Hey, how to lose 50 pounds in yeah. three hours before I go to the beach. Like, you know, and you know, people are Googling it. So they're like, hey, if it exists, great. But but I think of fine and saying, hey, look, that doesn't exist. You just got to put in. Hard but this is like what we talked about at the beginning, over. too. Right. Like, I think so. I was at uh, One Life out in Ashburn one time because. I was in it at a meeting and the only way I was going to be able to lift that day was, was being there. Right. And I went in there and I just watched this guy bench press. Right. And he was like, he was taking his time, like typical power lifter tempo. Right. You know, like he, he's taking his time, taking his rest in between. Right. But you know, he, but you can, he's still, he's still grinding. Right. But it's a different kind of grind. And he's like, he's working up to four plates on the bench. Right. And I'm just, and, I, and I'm just watching him. And I right. just like, I was just in awe because the only thought I kept having was like, that is so impressive. Like it's to the point, like there's like a physical therapy company that leases space in the one life and, and the women who, who, and that were there that day, you know, I'm sure they've seen everything. Right. Cause it's right there. And even they're stopping and just watching. Cause he's not just doing ones. Like he's repping them. Right. Like, you know, low, low, low reps, but like he's repping them with a lot of control. Right. And then he starts working backwards and he's working like, 315 to him is probably like my 135, right? And I just kept thinking to myself, like, how many years of effort did it take to for this guy to get to that point? And how many like thousands of pounds of volume and, and how many hundreds and hundreds of reps did it take him to get to the point? And not just that, but the eating, right? Like eating enough protein, taking enough water, getting enough sleep all that compounded to get to that point. And I was just in awe. And I think that's where like, I've got so much respect for, for powerlifting in general, that it's the same thing. Like what we're just talking about, like it's not an overnight thing, right? It's that, it's that stupid meme of the iceberg where like you only see the tip, but everything else is below it. Right? Like it's true. It's all that compounded effort along the way. Yeah. And, and um, I think we glorify too much the peak and not enough of, of the roots underneath, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Uh, I agree completely. Well, kind of as we wrap up here, we've got a few rapid fire questions to throw at you. Uh, the classics, the fan favorites. First thing I got for you, even though you're going through a weight loss transformation, um, what's the go-to cheat yeah, meal? So my two go-to, one is a uh, pizza. 
if if I had the metabolism of a like stereotypical thin man, I I feel like I would only eat pizza. Um, it, it's that, and there's this uh, Korean Korean dish. It's it's Korean Chinese, and it's called jajangmyeon, which is like a soy based with uh, noodles. It's, it's like this is amazing, amazing thing that um that I love. So th those are the two that I th that are definitely in in my wheelhouse of cheat meals. And notice, notice, notice they're all car car okay. carbohydrates, right? So it's like the it's like the complete opposite of what I normally eat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm making sure. You're yeah, 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 yeah. I'm supposed yeah. to have less than yeah. 100. Yeah. I might have a thousand. <laughs> um. All right. Second one for you. Uh, would you train? What is your hype up song? Which song um. So I, I've got two games? main playlists that that I play. And, um, you know, they tend to be like sort of current pop or, or EDM. So when it comes to getting hyped, the uh, anything that's like endurance related work, uh, Monkey Wrench from the Foo Fighters, uh, the, the, the tempo and the beat of that song, it's just like mm -hmm. it's it's so awesome uh, that it gets me there. And then um, recently, um, sorry, I'm looking this up right now because there's a. Um, uh, there's a, God, I'm going to sound so, so cheesy. There's a, uh, I think it's, I want to say it's Coldplay, but it's a remixed version of one of their songs. Um, it's a, like something like this. Like, I think it's the lyrics. Okay. Um, I don't want to sing it cause I, your, your audience will run away. Um, but, <laughs> but it's, uh, I heard it when I went to a Tony <laughs> Robbins event. And so if people are familiar with Tony Robbins, they, they know what I'm talking about. Um, that, that song. It just like it's it's like a feel good that gets me just hyped up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's definitely relatable. My I feel like I flip between one to hear something like encouraging, like a super powerful like worship song where someone's like soul has been like left their body, and then on the flip side, something brutally deathcore that I know is deeply <laughs> satanic. Like there's no in between. <laughs> it's either gonna be that like empowering thing. Or something i'm like i'm going to the pit <laughs> like there's there's no difference um okay so last question i got for you what was the last show oh i just did it on i Netflix? just did it i did this uh third season of ozark um okay is it good i just started um, the first it season is, like two days so ago. i love jason bateman i think he's awesome um the show if you like dark right. humor then yes yeah 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 okay okay that actually tells a lot about a show yeah 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 it it, Unfortunately, it, that is it, it takes so. a lot of twists and turns and uh, the end of yeah. season three i just i i went i went i thought i i was just like holy holy s like this is uh this is not what i was expecting so it's good yeah yeah that that bodes well. I mean, I mean, we've got plenty of time to be binging stuff right now. That's for sure. Um, well, yeah, just as we wrap up, I mean, man, like, thank you so much. Like, I, I, I feel like we've, we've covered so much in the last hour. Um, you know, anything from, yeah, from nutrition to, to TikTok trends. Yeah. Um, no, I appreciate so it. I, I appreciate you thinking of me and have me on. I, I, uh, I enjoyed but, uh, doing this kind of stuff because I always I always learn a ton from, from talking to folks.
Yeah, and I think it's just especially now being such and that's honestly why I'm filming yeah. everything, I'm recording everything the first two weeks, then kind of releasing yeah. weekly. But I'm like, this is the time when people yeah, are listening yeah. to stuff because they don't have a choice. Uh, they're, they're very limited on what else they can be doing. But I do think that podcasts are just such a wonderful opportunity for people yeah, to yeah. Learn knowledge in a non-obtrusive way because they're not having to look at me. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting you say that because I, I, my friend and I, that um, we, we met through doing 75 Hard, and um, we are doing a, a similar sort of thing. We just started recording not too long ago, um, and uh, we're calling it the Uncle Salty Show. Because uh, he goes by Uncle Joshy, and you know I'm the salty Asian, nice. and it's uh, we found that we've got pretty good chemistry, and it's it's I, I I think it's an amazing thing to be able to have discussions with people, and you um you learn so much, you know, in the interactions, and and I think um, for a lot of folks, it just makes a lot of things that seem unapproachable very approachable, and and just realizing that how relatable we all are, it's an amazing platform. It, it really is. And I think it helps break down the formality between a lot of people as well. Um, because, yeah, it's that same thing. You know, yeah. the same with celebrities. It, it brings us back down to our human level. For sure. Of, hey, we're just dudes talking um, beyond that. So so last thing uh, I'd, I'd have you say, hey, any plugs you want to get out there? You know, obviously you're you're all over social media. You mentioned 75. Well, cards I, I think, you know, first of all, you any can find me on Instagram and TikTok. It's Salty Asian, but the number eight instead of the a uh the you know as silicon valley is it's two pc to actually be salty asian with the a um so salty eight s-i-a-n and um uh the one other thing i would say uh that i forgot to mention earlier is that um i am this saturday doing something crazy with a friend of mine uh we are doing in 24 hours we're doing a thousand burpee challenge so starting at 7 a.m. until 7 a.m. the next day, we have 24 hours to do a thousand wow. burpees. And this sort of goes along with what we talked about earlier about just the mental grind. Um, it's all it is, man. Like the, the math basically breaks down to if you do it in 24 hours, you, you know, it's about 40 plus burpees an hour if you don't sleep. Um, or it's 80 if you do it in 12 hours and get 12 hours of sleep. So I haven't decided which way I'm going yet. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah but but right. i appreciate you having me on uh it was a lot of fun wow and, uh, I, I really do enjoy doing it all right folks well you heard it here first uh make sure you go check out lou uh continue to track his uh, his weight loss journey uh and just even his own journey um of expanding the brand and looking to help people uh if you want advice if you want something beyond just inspiration uh reach out to lou to be more than happy to chat with you and the same for me uh as always i'm moses allwood thank you all for listening